Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One summer night in 1986, seven-month-old Christopher Albus vanished from his crib at the foot of his parents' bed. After grabbing books from his locker at Cedar Ridge High School on Colorado's Western Slope in 1981, 17-year-old Roger Ellison was never seen again. Lively and friendly, 14-year-old Beth Miller set off from her Idaho Springs home on a jog one August day in 1983. She never came home. There are 59 missing children listed in the Colorado Bureau of Investigation's Cold Case Database. And with a 2019 discovery of 12-year-old Janelle Matthews' remains, 34 years after she went missing from her Greenlee home, I feel it's time to look at some of the children on the CBI database that have puzzled authorities for decades. Colorado's missing children who vanished without a trace. This week, I'm mysteriously listed. Number four, Marie B. November 22nd, 1979. 15-year-old Marie B was looking forward to the Thanksgiving dance at her school. An occasion she had a date for, 18-year-old Monty Doolan. And after the dance, a party in Craig, a 20-minute drive from her home in Hayden. Once at the party, many of Marie's friends realised the party was mostly guys and there were drugs. They weren't comfortable and they wanted to leave. Marie insisted that she was fine and she stayed behind with Monty. Around 1am, Marie told Monty she had another ride home. She didn't mention with who. But knowing she was fine to get home, he left the party without her. But Marie never made it home and she was never seen again. The next morning, Thanksgiving, when Marie didn't return home, her parents reported her missing to police. Authorities spoke to everyone at the party that night, but did not uncover any clues as to what happened to her. Now, unfortunately, the police didn't take her disappearance seriously, believing she ran away with a boy at the party and would return home on her own accord, especially after unconfirmed sightings of the teen were reported in the town of Craig the day after the party. But as the days went by, her family feared the worst. That's when the ransom call came in. The caller said they had Marie and they demanded $5,000 for her to be returned, This is when the police investigation stepped up, and authorities were able to trace the call back to someone who was close to Marie and who would be one of the last people to see her the night she went missing, Monty Doolan. Monty would break down under police interrogation, and he claimed it was all a sick prank call. He would plead guilty to telephone harassment charges, but he insisted he had no idea where Marie was or what happened to her. The new theory that law enforcement considered was that Marie overdosed at the party. She wasn't known to be a drug user, but her friend did confirm there were drugs at the party. Could she have tried some for the first time and not knowing what she was doing, overdosed? 
and then the party goers panicked and they hid her body. There has never been any evidence this was the case, and after that theory went nowhere, Marie's case went cold. Heartbreakingly, Marie's parents never moved and they never changed their phone number in the case Marie tried to find her way back home. 1999, on the 20-year anniversary of Marie's disappearance, a cold case task force was assigned to her case. They conducted over 200 interviews, including the other teens who were at the party the night Marie was last seen. Their stories didn't match up, but was this because of something nefarious or because 20 years had passed and memories had faded, especially if drugs and alcohol were consumed that night? The task force publicly announced three persons of interest. Monty Doolan, which makes sense, given he was her date that night and the quote-unquote prank call just after she went missing. Now, interestingly, Monty Doolan was arrested in 2015 on charges of kidnapping and sexual assault. These charges stemmed back from an incident that occurred in 1979, the year Marie went missing. Authorities also pursued a charge of kidnapping in Marie's case, but they didn't have enough evidence for a conviction. The second man was classmate Stephen Scucker, who had some drug charges and spent 12 years in prison. He has since passed away in 2012, so if he was involved or knew something, we will never know. And finally, Max Garcia, which there isn't any information out there on or how he is connected here. At the time of her disappearance, Marie B was 15 years old. She was 5 foot 3 and 100 pounds with blonde hair and blue eyes. She was last seen wearing a V-neck top with a purple collar, a brown velveteen vest, blue jeans, a green ski jacket with red and white trim, and a leather rope necklace with three handmade multicoloured beads. If Marie is still alive today, she would be 58 years old. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Marie B, please contact the Moffat County Sheriff's Office on 970-825-4495. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Number 3. Roger Ellison During the first weekend of February 1981, 17-year-old Roger Ellison competed in a skiing competition with the hopes of earning a spot in the US Olympic B team. However, unfortunately, he was unsuccessful. This was Roger's dream and it made him really upset. 
I've seen him referred to as depressed. I don't know if Roger had a history of depression, so I'm hesitant to use that term to explain Roger's mental state at the time. Especially since there was another competition the following weekend in Aspen, a competition he'd already paid a lofty entry fee for. Roger was having breakfast before leaving for school and chatting to his mother about the cold weather. He seemed upbeat because of the expected snowfall and how that would improve his chances in Aspen that weekend. He kissed his mother on the cheek and left to catch the bus to Cedar Ridge High School, around six miles away. Arriving at school and headed straight for his locker, yelling out to his locker mate, Mitch Coleman, to hold the locker open. He was running late and needed to get some books out for his first class. Roger promised the two would catch up at lunch and Mitch ran off for his class. Shortly after this interaction, Roger would walk out of school and disappear without a trace, never to be seen again. When he didn't return home that afternoon, Roger's parents assumed he was caught up with friends and would call or come home before curfew. But then he didn't, and when he still wasn't home the next morning, they reported him missing to the Delta County Sheriff's Office. The authorities tried to assure the Ellisons that he had run away from home and he would return, even though this was something he had never done before. He had never even missed a day of school. Roger only left with $3 that day, enough to buy lunch at the cafeteria, and he had no personal belongings. He left without his beloved skis, car, clothing, and more than $1,000 in his savings account. The Ellisons never gave up looking for their son. Quote, we drove down back roads, we combed the woods, we walked ditches. Gradually it dawned on us that something terrible had happened to Roger. Unquote. Heartbreakingly, a few months after Roger went missing, his father passed away. The school bus driver later said that Ernest was at his son's bus stop every afternoon, scanning the students exiting the bus. Each day, Ernest would hang his head and cry because his son was never amongst the students. Roger's mother, Evelyn, pressed authorities to look into John Pash, who was Roger's psychology teacher. Pash lived next door to the school. According to Evelyn, for Roger to leave the school early for skiing, he had to take his homework to Pash's home instead of school. After Roger went missing, Pash told Evelyn he counselled Roger in his home and that Roger was suicidal. Evelyn did not believe him because Roger strongly disliked Pash and he was not unhappy. Evelyn argued that a person who would take their own life would not plan for his future or leave everything behind. Up until her death, Evelyn suspected John Pash was responsible for her son's disappearance. She believed Roger saw something at Pash's home and someone killed him over it. John Pash resigned from Cedar Ridge High School in 1984 and relocated to Northern California, where he still lives today. After his move, police did search the property with ground-penetrating radar and there were some anomalies found including two under a concrete garage floor, and bones were found. But these bones were determined to be non-human. September 1998. An unidentified man claimed he was dying and needed to get something off his chest. That he saw a man, a man he believed to be Roger Ellison, in the woods northwest of Cedaridge shortly after he disappeared. Roger was tied up and being held at gunpoint by another man during a drug deal. 
scared the tipster and his friend ran off, but they heard two gunshots sometime later, the two men agreeing never to talk about the incident. The dying man did pass a polygraph. His friend also came forward to corroborate the story. A search of this wooded area found no evidence of a crime taking place, although we are talking about more than 17 years later. There have been several sightings of Roger in the years following. 1981. His friend Shauna attended Mesa State College, and she saw a man painted in white that strongly resembled her missing friend. Quote, He resembled Roger so much. When I walked towards him, he got up and he left. I got upset because he looked like Rog, the same height. Even though he was painted up, it looked like him, and when I tried to get near him, he left. Unquote. 1982, an informant contacted investigators and he said that he saw Roger alive in April in a tree nursery in Gulf Point, Mississippi. Unfortunately for Roger's family, this turned out to be a hoax. June 1989, a person in Bath, New York, believed a man named Andy Young was Roger Ellison, and these sightings are only a few of many more. But despite all the reported sightings, they either turn out to be someone else or people looking to cash in on the reward money. Roger's mother, Evelyn, developed a heart condition that some will say was a broken heart, and she suffered depression after her son's disappearance. In 1992, she passed away, never knowing what happened to Roger. At the time of his disappearance, Roger Ellison was 17 years old. He was 5 foot 11 and 145 pounds, with blonde hair and blue eyes. He was last seen wearing a blue t-shirt, jeans or brown pants, a light blue nylon parka, white socks and white sneakers. If Roger is still alive today, he would be 60 years old. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Roger Ellison, please contact the Delta County Sheriff's Office on 970-874-9734. Number 2. Beth Miller Beth Miller had just turned 14, the day she went jogging in the small mountain town east of Denver. She would usually go on jogs with her sister, but on August 16, 1983, she went on her own. She would never return home and she was never seen again. Some witnesses saw her talking to a man in a red pickup truck, but police never found the right truck. In the days and weeks that followed, Hundreds of volunteers on foot and horseback searched for her, her dad appearing on the nightly news pleading for the return of his daughter. Beth's sister would later state the man in the truck had spoken with her before, that the two seemed to know each other and they were flirty, that he was fair-skinned and 175 pounds with collar-length brown hair and wore prescription eyeglasses with blue lenses. And the last time she saw him with Beth, the two had an argument because Beth did not want to talk to him anymore. An unidentified Ohio man was investigated as being involved in Beth's disappearance. But there was never enough evidence to bring about formal criminal charges. An unidentified Ohio man was investigated as being involved in Beth's disappearance. But there was never enough evidence to bring about formal criminal charges. Another suspect... A New Mexico man named Edward Apaducca is now deceased. He was murdered by his wife and mother-in-law in 1990. Two independent witnesses reported they'd seen Edward talking to Beth three days before she disappeared. 
and he did drive a red pickup truck. Edward's former girlfriend claimed she helped him bury Beth in the woods near Idaho Springs. Three cadaver dogs indicated the presence of human remains in the place the girlfriend indicated, but police excavations turned up no evidence. 1995. A woman police picked up in Tampa, Florida, claimed to be Beth Miller. Her parents flew to Florida to meet the woman, but she turned out to be someone else. Possible evidence relating to Beth's case was found in Empire, Colorado in 1994. Some bone fragments, a piece of fabric similar to canvas, and a single blonde hair was found buried near Interstate 70. The bone fragments have never been identified. Police do not even know if they are human. The fabric was very degraded and appeared to have been buried for a very long time. Beth's family had her declared legally deceased in 1994. A grand jury investigated her disappearance in 2007, but the jury disbanded in November of that year without any indictments being handed down. Her case remains open and unsolved. At the time of her disappearance, Beth Miller was 14 years old. She was 5 foot 3 and 100 pounds with blonde hair and blue eyes. She was last seen wearing white jogging shorts, a faded blue t-shirt and blue sneakers. If Beth was still alive today, she would be 53 years old. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Beth Miller, please contact the Colorado Bureau of Investigation on 303-239-4222. Number 1. Christopher Harvey July 11, 1984. The Harvey family had set up camp on the edge of the San Juan National Forest in Colorado, a regular occurrence for this nature-loving family. 14-year-old Christopher Harvey was particularly looking forward to catching up with the other regular families in the area. After 3pm, Christopher decided to take the family dog for a walk, setting off down one of the trails, taking with him only the clothes he was wearing and a handful of change in his pockets. Christopher was a seasoned hiker, having recently completed quite a difficult hike with his father. He knew how to keep safe and not to venture too far on his own. But some time later, the dog returned without Christopher. At first, the family thought that perhaps the dog had gotten away from him and Christopher would be back soon after. But when they hadn't heard or saw Christopher by 11pm, they frantically called the county sheriff's office. The following day... An extensive search was conducted that involved five rescue teams, helicopters and dogs, but there was no sign of the missing boy. The search continued all day until 4pm, when it was reluctantly scowled back. Investigators did manage to use the bloodhounds to track Christopher's scent to the campsite Sportman's supply store. Although they did talk to the employees, and they said that while they knew Christopher, they didn't see him the day he disappeared – nor did they have anything suspicious to report in the area. At first, the authorities were working on the theory that perhaps Christopher had gotten lost in the woods and had gotten into trouble without his usual hiking gear. However, by the time the search was up, investigators were almost certain the 14-year-old was no longer in the county and foul play was suspected. October 1984. The Harvey family got the call they were waiting for, a teenage boy had been found badly beaten and dumped by the highway in Eagle County. 
the victim had been beaten so severely around the head that his features were unrecognisable. He had been taken to hospital in Grand Junction for emergency surgery. He was brain damaged and in a coma. Everyone believed Christopher Harvey had been found. His family rushed to his bedside and the media reported the resolution of the case. But there was a crushing blow. Investigators had sent the victim's dental records to be compared to Christopher's, and a few days later they came back not a match. The young man was in fact Scott Hughes, who had been hitchhiking when he was apparently mugged. 1991. Human remains were found in Mineral County, and unfortunately they were not identified, logged as another John Doe. In 2006, these remains would be DNA tested in the hopes they did belong to Christopher, but unfortunately they proved not to be a match. Another blow for the grieving family. 2011. CNN ran a story about missing children in Colorado, much like I'm doing today and Christopher's case was featured in the hopes new leads would be generated. In the comments section, a woman named Sally claimed to have seen Christopher in a store in California being held under duress by two men. She said she recognised his picture from the milk carton and tried to raise the alarm when he whispered help. But before she could react, the men took him and she was criticised for making a scene. Sally's story has never been verified, and it could very well be a story made up by an internet troll, but it is worth considering, especially since no son of Christopher has ever been found. Christopher's mother, Judy Harvey, passed away in Texas in 2016, without ever finding out what happened to her son. After she died, his father, Jim, moved to Colorado, just a few miles from where Christopher vanished, in order to spend more time searching the forest where he last saw his son decades earlier. At the time of his disappearance, Christopher Harvey was 14 years old. He was 5 foot 11 and 135 pounds with light brown hair and hazel eyes. He was last seen wearing a long-sleeved brown plaid shirt, blue jeans, a leather western-style belt with a buckle inscribed with his name, Chris. He was wearing Nike hiking shoes with red laces and a black digital watch. If Christopher is still alive today, he would be 53 years old. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Christopher Harvey, please contact the Hinsdale County Sheriff's Office on 970-944-2291. Do you have something you would like to see mysteriously listed? Do you have a particular theme that interests you? Message us on Facebook at Mysteriously Listed and on Twitter at Mysterious List. If you like what you've heard today, we would love for you to share this episode on your social media of choice. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, we would appreciate it if you could leave a positive review and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Research, additional writing and hosting is by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.